the podcast, what you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of horror movie fans, in particular Insane Mike and his podcast crew. They could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much as the mad and macabre as they were to see for that show. For them, an idyllic afternoon of watching horror movies became a nightmare, as they were subjected to film after film that couldn't do anything original, but instead would just rip off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoffs on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack of the Killer Welcome, all you crazed cannibals, to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. This is episode 255, and we are calling it Texas Chainsaw Ripoff, because all the films that we will be talking about tonight share one thing in common, or maybe two things in common. (laughs) And they all share in common with one of the greatest horror films of all time, and one of the most copied films of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're not going to be talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We're going to be talking about movies that rip it off. So we do have a great show for you. But first, if you've not heard of our show before, let me get you up to speed. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast. Group of friends, we get together. We talk about horror movies based on a certain topic. We're just friends hanging out, so there's going to be spoilers. So suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You can also help support the show by becoming an attacker. You like I just told them to suck it and I'm going to beg for their money? Yep. An attacker <laughs> is a fan of the show that supports the show and help keeps the lights on. By becoming an attacker, you get all kinds of special perks exclusive only to you guys, the attackers. Such perks as bonus episodes, getting the regular episodes early. Getting our various video series such as Insane Mike's Women in the Top 10 list, video updates, and killer critiques. You can also get your own membership certificate and membership card and sticker. You can get original art by me, known as Mikey's Monsters, and even an Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. You can get all that and a whole lot more by going to jointheattackers.com. Again, go to jointheattackers.com and sign up for the tier you want to support the show and start getting the content you deserve. That site, again, is jointheattackers.com. And we have a new attacker joining our ranks. Everybody welcome the newest attacker, Rosa Talashoma. Rose! (laughs) Welcome! Tallahassee, what? Tala, Tallashoma, what? Dad, you got this. You he got it right the first oh, okay. time. Oh, Tallashoma? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll try <laughs> better next time. Rose, you know what? I'm just going to call you Rose. You are awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for your support. And welcome to the world of attackers. I hope you're ready. You're in the club. That's right. You too can get a shout out on the show also as a perk. By becoming an attacker. So again, that website is jointheattackers.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. 
used to be a master at the chainsaw until he cut off his hands. They say he lost his touch. Tad, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> his chainsaw has three settings. He started it out on slow, but then he decided to try it on Max. Max's wife is very upset. Andy. <laughs> He's married to a woman named Max. Okay. Maxine. Yeah, yeah. He took an expensive trip to Texas to find the Chainsaw family. The whole trip cost him an arm and a leg. Jason! Hey, I like it! Oh, man. That's, uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, so glad that you're here and listening. I'm just nervous that these intros are going to be the best part of the show. Anyway, keep, Whoa. Th- thanks for being here. Oh, no, I'm excited uh, for hey, this episode. Anytime s- talking about Chainsaw, I'm all for see it. see what that means here in a while. <laughs> Oh, but in the meantime, do you wish there was somewhere oh. out there that you can get more horror content in your life? Do I? Are you freaking kidding me? I've only been talking about Shudder for years now. <laughs> do you even listen to me when I talk? Well, listen to me now. You need Shudder. Sign up today. You could start your ju- journey through the Netflix of horror. I've said that a hundred times by getting your first <laughs> month for free on us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Enter a promo code AOTKP. Left to spell it out for you. AOTKP. And you will get a month of Shudder for free. I don't even know if you deserve it anymore. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. That promo code again is AOTKP. Get sh- started on Shudder now. Tired of you guys not listening to me. I swear you yell at them even harder every week. <laughs> do it. Do it now. <sighs> feel better but speaking of not listening to me here's tad with what we watched what we watched i'm excited to hear what you guys have watched because i have not watched much of anything um let's jump right over to jason what have you watched well speaking of not watching much of anything (laughs) i didn't watch anything I didn't Holy see poop. any movies since you the last time we recorded. You did see a show? I recommend I sure did. That's the only thing on my list. Um, I've So, yeah, the free time that I did have, I'd pop on an episode every night of this awesome show that I found all by myself without any help. <laughs> no one, uh, it's really awesome. It's on Showtime. It's called Yellow Jackets. Oh, yeah. And turns out, Tad sort of knows what he's talking about. It was pretty good. It's weird. I know. <laughs> That's why I watched it, just to prove him wrong. That's why I do a lot of things, is to <laughs> see how wrong Tad is. But yeah, spite watch stuff for Tad. No, it's, uh, <laughs> man, it was so good. It was so good. I've been dying to talk to you about it in person, and we still can't because these yahoos haven't seen it. And um, it was freaking awesome and great. And can you tell me there's going to be more? Yeah, it's been renewed. So. Oh, that's all I needed to know. Yep. What a relief. Big relief. Because they sort of left it with a big cliffhanger. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. Uh, if, if you didn't know what Yellow Jackets was about, the quick uh, little thing is just this uh, high school um, soccer team is going to the Nationals, and they get on a plane to go to the big game, and their plane goes down in the middle of the wilderness. And then the show simultaneously takes place nine, seven, t- 19 months later. Um, Year, years. Yep. And 25 years. 
Uh, yeah, so, yeah. It takes place 25 years later, and it talks about, so it's about the 19 months they spent on the mountain, those who lived or didn't, and the things they went through and how it affected their lives, and it's, uh, there's some great fucking gore and sick and gross shit, and as you can imagine, um, it's fantastic, and, and, it's it's cool seeing a show simultaneously doing a 25 year split with like famous actors you know i think the casting was really great yes um it was it was awesome so did you vote for me on pole position oh absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) but i'm glad you got some votes because that show's awesome i agree it was a, a big a big surprise for me this season. Uh, it, it once again, like Dexter is a gateway drug. Got like, you there. Yeah. He got me to attach to shameless, the U S version. And that mm. ended up being something I watched for years and years. And then yellow jacket. So when they attach it to an establish a new show to an established show, they hooked me. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, happy to find a new series that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It was great. And that's what I watched. All right, Andy, what did you watch? Well, um, show-wise, I've been watching the hell out of um, Peacemaker, which I think Mm. is hilarious. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend. I can't recommend that show enough. It's awesome. Um, Basically, if you don't know what Peacemaker is, he ended up being the bad guy in the second uh, Suicide Squad, but now he's kind of had a change of heart, and he still works for... Amanda Waller is kind of like a, this black ops guy. And now he's got this buddy named vigilante who is absolutely, I think he's, I think I like him more than I do peacemaker, but this, this show is awesome. It's got, you know, he's, he's a, he's an eighties heavy metal kind of guy. So, I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you're hearing a lot of faster pussycat and firehouse and Hanoi rocks and stuff like that in the show. And of course, James Gunn is writing every episode. So, I mean, Mm. what's, what's that tell you right there? Watch this show. Um, it's, it's hilarious. It's gory as hell. Um, uh, you've got, uh, Robert Patrick playing, um, John Cena, who is peacemakers dad. Um, yeah, watch it. It's good. HBO max. Um, I also watched uh, Scream uh, 2022. Um, don't want to say much about that. Uh, I think, you know, if you're a horror fan, you should be watching it eventually anyway. Um, watched Eternals with the wife the other day. Um, it's not bad, but uh, if it's over two if it's two and a half hours long it's got to be better than just okay for me and it was just okay however uh like they did what what i will say about it is that they did a really good job of tying in the uh marvel cinematic universe i mean they mentioned thanos and the mass extinction and they talk about you know iron man and blah 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 but um, basically, with the Eternals, they they're they're only there to, for one reason, and it's to fight these things called the Deviants. That's why you you haven't seen them around like any anything else. They're there for one sole reason, and they don't get involved with humankind. And um, 
But like I said, it's not super good, but it's not bad. But it also, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but like there is, you know, an ending scene where, uh, la, yeah, la, la, another, la, la, la. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's, they, they call him the mysterious man. And, uh, I looked up who, who they, who they say that it is. And, uh, yeah, it, things things could get interesting because I never thought this mysterious man would be involved. And let's just say uh, another actor has played this character before, but now this new uh, actor is replacing one previously. And that's the only hint that I'll give. Um, as for other films that I watched, uh, really quick, I finally watched uh, Underwater with uh, yes. Kristen Stewart. Fun, yeah. That is wow. Yeah, she, this is this is really really good. I'm I'm sorry I was late to the party on this. Uh, she's she's. I mean, it, I mean, I, I probably this has probably been said before, but she really reminded me of. Ripley in the first alien. It's just mm-hmm. like an aquatic version of that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good. I I thought just visually it's, it looks good. I mean, it's, it's, it's tense. Uh, really, really recommend that. I also watched um, a Steven Soderbergh movie called unsane. Have you guys heard of this? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that completely movie great. iPhone. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I just I couldn't really place the uh, the the stalker for a while, and then I was just like, mm-hmm. "Holy shit, Blair Witch Project!" Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm sorry I was I sat on this for for too long. These are all uh, DVDs, by the way. Um, but yeah, and you know, uh, Juno Temple. I've usually liked a lot of the stuff that she's that she was in. Um. I can't really, I don't know if there's any other, oh, uh, Amy Irving, who of course was in Carrie and everything, but yeah, this, oh man, Joshua Leonard, what a son of a bitch in this Uh movie. Um, yeah, this one, this one was really, really good. Unsane. I, I didn't purposely, you know, go to my un file. So, uh, (laughs) underwater unsane. Yeah, I know. It just just (laughs) happened to turn out that way. Uh, and since I bought this DVD because I always wanted to see it, um, it has Lance Henriksen, Tony Todd, Tiffany Sheppis, and Edward Furlong in it. It's just a weird movie called Dark Real, and um, it goes back and forth from the past, and it's really kind of it's really kind of cheesy, um, but it's I don't really I can't really describe it to you, but basically. I will say this, I'll watch anything with Lance Henriksen in it. And this had Tony Todd and Tiffany Sheppis. Uh Tiffany Sheppis has a uh sex scene with Edward Furlong in it, which she should probably get a fucking Oscar for. Um <laughs> but uh Yeah, it's it's about a uh killer loose on a movie set and it has to deal with uh, bad stuff happening in the past and coming back and blah blah blah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's okay, but it had Lance Hendricks in it, so I, I had to watch it. Um, other than that, that's all I had to watch. 
Excellent. Mikey, what have you watched? Okay, well, um, I finally did it, guys. We're closing the chapter on discussing this show uh, on the podcast after bringing it up over and over and over again what we watched. But I finally started watching Diker's Side of the Ring. Yes. Nice. And I've blasted through it. I'm all the way to the third season already, so... Attaboy. <laughs> oh my god. It's just it's it is it's so good and so so dark. Wow. Wow. Just wow. I don't even know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so yeah, it it'll it'll kind of like really make you almost want to cry just what these guys go through. Oh, the number of episodes the, the number the number of episodes that end with either a wrestler dying or have killed someone is <laughs> like seventy five percent of this show. <clears throat> it's crazy. Um, you know, out of watching all of these, and it's kind of cool because a lot of the same talking heads kind of pop up here and there. So you're, you're kind of building this this whole um, uh, this whole other like narrative going on with these gu- with these guys that are talking about other things, but you're kind of learning about these these other guys too. And my f- my favorite talking head out of all this, I oh I should have wrote it down. Can't remember the wrestler's name. Um, but you, you know, a heavier set um, African American man. Um, Great Moolah. No, I don't think so. I think it began with a D or something like that. Anyway, uh, he was part of New Jack's crew, oh. um, and I think he was like the bodyguard of New Jack's crew. Um, so you know, D'Lo wa- Brown. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And you know, after watching that one, you think like, oh, this guy. You know, he he's just seemed like the nicest guy in the world, and he had been witness to some of the most tragic stuff that has happened. <laughs> yeah. He was he was there when uh, Owen um, Owen Hart Owen Hart fell fell, and uh. he was the guy that uh, paralyzed that other wrestler. Um, draws draws, yes, yes. And so, like, I just really sympath, and then he had to work with New Jack. So I just really, really sympathized with this guy. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's a, it's an amazing show. Um, yeah, you know, about... he's a CPA. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> D'Lo's wow. a certified public accountant. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He could be an accountant if he wants to be. That's crazy. So yeah, you guys are right. It's a good show. So told you quit telling me to watch it. Finally did it. Um, speaking of telling me to watch things. Thanks, Andy. I, um, I did watch, uh, hail to the deadites that's on shutter now. Oh yeah, and that's that's a really good doc. Um, mm-hmm. Although, to be honest with you, my favorite my favorite moments happen during the credits. It's like they saved all the good <laughs> all the good interviews with the with the celebrities for the credit sequences. Those are some of the best stories out of the whole movie happened during the closing credits. Anyway, I haven't seen it in a while, so I can't quite remember. But yeah. Yeah, well, because I mean, it, it's mostly supposed to be about the fan, you know, about the fan. So the the doc really yeah. focuses on individual fan stories, um, you know. And I kind of, I kind of maniacally chuckled, you know, the little evil side in me about the the couple that that um, got married at at a at a con, and it was like a total evil dead wedding, and it was like the effects guy or whatever was the moderator or whatever, and. uh and then the movie ends as a, with a with a follow up of each of the people that they they um, highlighted in the movie, and they talked about how they're divorced now. And I'm like, oh, oh, jeez, 
Anyway, so um, so yeah, it's a good doc, and it's on Shutter now. So I would definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you're an Evil Dead fan at all. Uh, um, last one I'll bring up uh, a movie um, from 2006, uh, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. I will watch anything he directs because the topics he chooses for movies are so awesome and bizarre and dark, and yet they're supposed to be straight up comedies. But I watched an earlier one of his. Um, you know, it's it's definitely on the technical side, on the lower scale compared to his other stuff. It it really felt like more of a lifetime movie. But uh, it's called Sleep uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie. Oh my god! <laughs> the subject matter oh alone is worth worth the viewing. You did finish it. Though. I did finish it. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, a recently engaged woman's life is thrown into turmoil after confessing to her fiance that she once experimented with bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh-huh. And the whole opening sequence, especially oh knowing this going into the movie, is so freaking hilarious because it's her kind of in her early 20s, living on her own for the first time. She's in her apartment. She's getting ready for bed. She's got her, like, zit cream on her face and brushing her teeth. And she looks out in the living room, and there's her dog on, laying on the floor to spread eagle. Uh-huh. Oh, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> she's, she's I just, mean, it's not, but. You can just see the wheels <laughs> turning in her head, uh-huh. and then she just goes. I mean, it's it's suggested you don't see it, but she goes down on the dog, and it's just it is such a funny scene. And then the whole movie is you know is just um her end up confessing and how her just life falls apart after confessing it to her fiance, and it's it's such a messed up movie. And God <laughs> bless you, Bobcat, man. That's all I gotta say. What was his uh, Sasquatch one that he made? What was that one? I thought that one was really good. Willow Creek. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like that I one. Enjoyed too. That one. I, I loved God. God bless America. Yes, that's a great one. Yes, I, I everything he's directed, I just love. And it's, what what's great about it is it just all falls into his sick and twisted um, comedy sensibility. Like uh, his first one he directed, Shakes the Clown, is still one of my favorites of his as well. Um, I wish he'd do more movies. He directs a lot, but he does like a lot of comedy specials and um, uh, he did talk like Kim. I was say Kimball Show forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I watched. Hey, Tad, what'd you watch? Not a whole lot, um, especially not movies. I was looking at my letterbox. I'm like, I've only watched one movie since we last recorded, and it was for. Um, first time podcast it was a movie called it's such a beautiful day um it is a animated movie about a stick figure that contemplates the meaning of life and uh battles with some severe depression and um mental health issues it's it's really interesting uh i talk about it for an hour on my podcast so if you want (laughs) to hear more about it over uh, there a stick figure movie, which you probably don't. That's where I will be talking about that one. But um, I watched a few series. I started Peacemaker, and I've I watched the first episode, and I just uh, the tone of it is so strange that I'm having a hard time grasping it. I'm sure I'll get back to it, but it didn't grasp me like right away to watch the second one. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's a very different take on superheroes. Uh, Another series I finished was Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. Um, the oh. final season is on Netflix, and it's very sad, but very, uh, very 
great, made me cry. Um, and then uh, one new show that I've discovered is Saturday Morning All Stars, oh, All Star yes. Hits with Kyle Mooney on Netflix. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, mm. Brandy and this I just show, marathoned that too. Yeah, that show is fucking wild, man. It's so funny. So funny. Uh, Kyle Mooney and it gets all kinds of celebrities to do voiceover roles, but it's as if you're watching. Um, sort of a Saturday morning local TV show with like cartoons and animated with like this, these two brothers that are hosts that are totally nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I can't really even explain it without watching it, but it's yeah. has the commercials and has the, uh, it's, it's as if like eighties or late eighties, early nineties cartoons, but um, they deal with real life, dark situations like care bears, oh, yeah. but uh <laughs> but it's it's sort of fucked up and uh like this dinosaur who's going to music college and yeah he's an alcoholic and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of dark themes in the cartoons and it's whole hilarious oh god it's so and it's the, the the great thing that keeps it uh going is that it's so accurate like it's clear that Kyle Mooney has a love for this like these early morning saturday morning cartoons and tv shows that it it feels real it's like so well put together oh, yeah. real, feels like the animation style and the the way it's filmed to make it look like it's old and standard def and stuff it's just it's so good i mean and they're like 20 minute episodes so yeah uh, flip it on it's something that i watch like as i'm laying down for bed or something between two things you know it's like such an easy watch to binge so mm-hmm. check that out on netflix yeah it's it's really funny and um yeah easy digestible and again yes the 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 accuracy of the look and the feel of 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 watching Saturday morning '80s cartoons is mm-hmm. is spot on, and the whole thing plays out as if we're watching this. Each each episode is somebody's VCR tape of them recording it off of TV. So right. what the coolest part is about this is not only is it just like a straight up kind of goofy kind of sketch comedy thing. But um, more than that, that there is an there is actual storyline threads that go throughout this entire series, and I just I just thought it was brilliantly put together. It's hilarious, but just the 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 story threads, even that the way the um, show is presented, like its VCR tapes, actually plays a part into the story thread when you get to the end, which is really cool. Like, does it look like you have tracking issues and stuff like that? Oh yeah, you know, there's sometimes oh. there's there's jumps in like a commercial start and then it'll skip like back to the cartoon, or and then yeah, you get some tracking issues and sometimes some rainbows and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's really unique and fresh and. Uh, I really was surprised by it, and I I just love that like we have streaming services to because this would never be something that could actually be on TV, but no. um, mm-hmm. thanks to you know <laughs> it's like and again like praise to guys like uh, Paul Rudd who's on this he does a voice like a lead character voice like I love that Paul he can do Ant Man for Marvel but he's also doing these little favors for his friends um, I mean he's been on Tim and Eric like Paul Rudd will. You know, if it's funny, he has a good nose for like what's funny and good, and he just does things. Even it doesn't matter if it's gonna, if, if it's just a voiceover or if it's just this weird character in a Tim and Eric sketch, he's just gonna do it if it's funny and he enjoys it. So, um, props to him. I love that guy. Mm-hmm, me too. I like heard his voice. I'm like, and Nikki was like, "Is that Paul Rudd?" And I had to look it up. I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Why is he doing this voice?" Because <laughs> because it's funny, and you know, he probably was. They they offered it to him, and he's like, "This is hilarious. Let's do it." So. 
the real Tommy Wallace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've watched. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tad. Now, everybody out there listening, get your tweets ready and vote for me because it's Jason <laughs> and Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. Sway in the crowd before it even starts. What? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying, just a quick uh, peek behind the curtain. The current poll up right now, you're actually leading. Woo! Believe it or not. But we're not going to look at those yet. We're going to get into today's poll position. And today's poll position question is, what is your favorite kill scene with a chainsaw? Now, I didn't verify with you guys we do two rounds this time, but I would love to. And I'm ready for, okay, me I'm too. Ready for multiple rounds. So. I hope so. Mm. Let me uh, stall while you think about that. As I go over to the random number generator, Mike is one, I am two, Tad is three, Andy is four, and I will. Wait, is there no recap? of? No, because we had the award shows. So we oh, didn't do oh so we're kind of a, we're okay. catching up. Next week, we'll be able to do a my, look back. Sorry, my bad. That's all right. Oh, snap. We got Insane Mike, and then Jason, and then Andy, and then Tad, and we'll do a snake draft style. I thought you just read a diff- different order. I'm just, is this a random number generator? <laughs> I'm sorry, pal. Mm. You got the fourth and fifth pick. That's pretty cool. They'll probably, both of uh, the two I wrote down are going to be gone by then, so <laughs> we'll see. Ah. Uh. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like mine are pretty unique. Well, I half some. of mine are unique. Yep. So, all right. Insane Mike, you are up first with pick number one. What is your favorite kill scene with a chainsaw? Okay. So, I'm going to go with um, probably one of my more unique ones just to be nice to the rest of you guys. But it is Ooh. probably one of my favorite chainsaw scenes of all time. So, whatever. But it's when Peter Jackson, as Derek, yep. um, jumps down from the ceiling onto an alien and saws his way all the way through the alien and comes out the alien's ass and says he's born again in bad taste. And I gotta remember how to, how to write this down. <laughs> I, 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 in my notes, again. I just put Peter Jackson, parentheses, born again bad uh, in bad taste. I got it. Okay, so I'm up next. Now I'm in a predicament because... Was that one yours? No, I, I do have one from bad taste. Oops. But... um. <laughs> I I mean I got this one that I know is going to be votes and then I know what my favorite I don't even know what my well okay so I'm going to I'm going to go with the classic scene from American Psycho when he drops Fuck the you. chainsaw that's why I took it and he drops it God down the it. stairwell get thinking buddy you got a minute I left but, that on my off of my list cuz I knew it would be on tats <laughs> So, American Psycho. So, Andy, you're up next with the third pick. Okay. I am going to go with um, Ben Richards versus Buzzsaw in The Running Man. Oh, wow. He splits him up in the middle. He's like, it's all right. You keep it. You know, and (laughs) he splits him up and, you know, he had to split. (laughs) Wow. I wasn't expecting that. That's good. That's a a a good one. No pun intended. Deeper cut. (laughs) And Tad, pick number four. Well, still got um, one on your board. That's good. Yeah. Well, I had to add (laughs) a few, but uh, man, I I I have to say I appreciate Andy 
knowing that he's not going to get any votes for that one, uh-huh. but putting uh-huh. in because he knows that it's a good one. Like that's an Andy, that's an Andy pick. He knows he's going to lose every week, but he goes with his heart. And yeah. Andy, God damn it. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> um, it's the fucking I'm going running, to, man. I get, I get to, I get to choose two, right? Because yep, two in a row, four and five. All right. So I'm going to go with one that's actually popped up in, um, at least one other pole position for me. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember what episode it even was. Maybe I can't remember why this came up, but um, the opening in Texas Chainsaw Two. Yep, that's on my when list. He buzzes off the on top the of his head like like yep. a yep. fuck yeah on the bridge like a fucking oh, hat. Yeah. I absolutely adore that scene. Uh, Tom Savini, badass. It's so cool because um, they just keep driving and the top of his head just is oh, cleanly it's a great sliced off. Fucking scene. And then um, the second pick is from Hatchet 2. Ooh, that was on the list, too. Where Victor Crowley has the impossibly mile-long chainsaw that puts uh, Leatherface in part threes to shame. Uh, <laughs> this chainsaw is, you could saw a block in half. Um, a city block, that is. Uh, he, he goes up the crotch of two, two. men. and two guys at the same time shooting him in the in the <laughs> chest with the shotguns and uh goes right from crotch to through their head and splits them down the middle uh picks them up with the chainsaw it doesn't make any sense but it's so uh bloody oh. and and just so dumb i have to uh put it in there very nice all right andy you're up with pick 6 oh man um i really want to go with um Reggie Bannister chainsawing that one dude in the dick in um, uh, Phantasm 2. But instead, I will go with uh, Morgan when he's hanging from the chandelier and he's got no place to go in the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he gets split through the uprights. Even, um, uh, I think Cinema of Fear made like a... uh, I have it. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. I have it too. And it's, it's, they, they, they made a longer scene of it, but it was so graphic that they had to, you know, pan away and they just kind of saw his legs moving. And then they just like all this guts and, you know, probably his junk somewhere in there is like falling to the floor. Good. Good one. Oh man. So I'm up next. Pick seven. I am very torn right now. I have four or five still on my list here that I would love. Oh, man. It, I, I, I can't even. Okay, so I got to be. I watched a lot of these uh, clips, too, beforehand, and I just. I'm going to pick one that uh, just put me back in the movie, put me back in the scene. I c- can't believe how amazing this scene is and how an utterly graphic and bloody beyond this is the bloodiest scene maybe ever recorded in cinema history the 2013 evil dead all right nice watch that scene again she just puts it right in his head while it's raining blood it's just red (laughs) and and you're seeing the chainsaw in his head while he's on his hands and knees it's on fucking real that's my pick evil dead 2013 nice Man, what one am I gonna go with? Uh, I think what I'm gonna go with. I'm also gonna go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Unless I should do it. Should I do a different movie? Huh? That makes. But I love it. Um, 
the chainsaw duel where Leatherface gets a chainsaw through his gut and he's still fighting as the blade is still moving and it's sticking out of the out of his back. It's freaking cool. That's so very freaking awesome. So I, I'll go with that one. That's good. That's good. All right. We did it. Boys, Some boys, honorable boys. mentions. I just have to say Franklin yep. was on my list Absolutely. because That's fuck him. Yeah, hey. fuck Franklin. But and the it's scene, a, it comes out of nowhere. and That, and it's and it's just so, um, The one of the times I'm just absolutely rooting for Leatherface. I'm like, end Aww. this guy. Yeah, and then he eats the chainsaw. So good. He, he's, yelling, he's yelling at the poor girl trying to push him in a wheelchair through the woods. Like, yeah. fuck him. He deserved it. Nobody's, it, it, they, Leatherface wouldn't have been there if he just shut the fuck up. So... It's yep. hard to rain. It's hard to rain just to walk on, let alone right. push a wheelchair. And he's still acting like an asshole. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> ever deserved it more from Leatherface. So I can't believe you guys didn't pick Mandy with the big duel. I saw the duel, but was there a death there? He does fall on it at the end. He wraps the chain around his neck and pulls him forward, and he falls on the running chainsaw on the ground. I couldn't remember I how it, it ended. That's how I saw. Yeah, but that of course yeah. uh, there's there's thirty one where Psycho he doesn't oh, he yeah. land on the chainsaw and it's. That it's the way it, that scene is shot is so hard to even see. Like it's shot like fucking the whole shaky cam. That way, yeah. yeah that yeah, I, yeah. I don't even know what happened in that scene. I am disappointed in all y'all. Like whenever you think of chainsaw and horror movies, two names come to mind: Leatherface and Ashley Williams. Yeah. And I had on my my list uh, uh, Hen- uh, cutting up Henrietta in Evil yep. Dead Two. Yep. Great that, movie, great, but not mm-hmm. my one of my favorite scenes. Sure, I, but I have to vote for Jason's because American Psycho is the best one out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's naked, running through the hallway with a chainsaw and it drops just, it down it a stairwell. Drops it down the stairwell. And he, but he apparently took time to put on sneakers. Well, hell yeah, you yeah. got to get traction, man. He's not yeah. a complete <laughs> psycho. He's an American psycho. Okay. I had another one for hey, the, I, bad taste. I, I'm just well, yeah. What was your bad taste? Lord Crumb gets the head split and yeah. falls oh, apart yeah. in half. Mm-hmm. There's an amazing scene in the Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, where he sticks him in the spine from the back and then lifts him up off the ground with it running. And it's fucking beautiful. Jordana Brewster gets it through the backseat of the car just at the end of Texas Chainsaw. Mm. One I had on mine, just for comedy's sake, is naked Michelle Bauer chainsawing a John uh, (laughs) and... And his yep. severed hand yeah. um, cops a feel in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. I assumed that would make your list somehow. <laughs> I had to get a Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers reference in there. <clears throat> All right. Well, that was pretty fun. I'll get your butts on over to Twitter at AOTKP. Get your votes in on who picked the best to kill scenes with a chainsaw. And that is the pole position. Thanks, Jason. You're welcome, Mike. It's movie time. Get oh. your popcorn a popping and your soda uh sodaing bubbling. And oh, that's yeah, that's better. And we and it's time to talk about some Texas Chainsaw Massacre rip-off movies. Movies that are either inspired by or just blatantly ripped off Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So where does this one come from? What inspired this episode? Um, one of the movies on okay. the list I wanted to watch really bad, yeah. <laughs> and when after I saw it, I'm like, I need to make these guys watch this movie. Oh, like punishment! If I have to watch no, it, you have to watch because mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. Okay, and I can't wait. You guys should probably guess which one it is. Uh-huh. Um, but first, Tad, what's the first movie we're going to talk about? 
The first movie we're talking about is from 1990, and it is Blood Salvage. Strange things are happening at Jake's junkyard. Helping people's my business, huh? Up in. Great. Things that no one can explain. Well, what do you suppose these stupid hicks know about fixing cars? No! Well, I imagine they know a whole lot about fixing cars. I mean, what else they got to do around here? Things that no one can believe. I won't take girl, and I'm gonna have her. Do you think she's pretty? I think she's pretty. What you want with a cripple, anyway? Things that are only ah. supposed to happen in bad dreams. Come on in and meet the family. What have you done to my mother? <laughs> There's a little girl out in Salt Lake City who could use that heart. Might bring about uh, 40, 45. Mama! Daddy, help! That's the last time we invite strangers to dinner. Why is your daddy doing this to me? Because he wants to fix you. Fix me? Dang, Rim. If you break down in Jake's neighborhood, say your prayers and run like hell. They're drugged, right? Kick them and see. Please help me. I'm sorry. I can't. Bring the Lord. Another cop. I'm gonna kill you. I made two of and the first thing you do is run out on me. You little whore. Now this is going to hurt. I knew something like this was gonna happen. Blood salvage. If Jake can't fix it, it's been dead too long. Okay, Blood Salvage is a twisted tale about a crazy preaching redneck named Jake who kidnaps people off the highway and performs sick medical experiments on them. He then proceeds to sell their organs on the black market to Mr. Stone. Everything is fine until he kidnaps the handicapped April and finds that she is harder to control than the others. Um... This one, uh, I watched <laughs> probably three or four days ago, oh. and um, all I really remember is that uh, it has some pretty recognizable faces. John Saxon, why did he agree to this? Um, that's, I don't know, man. Evander Holyfield. Holyfield. What the yeah. fuck yeah, is he Vander in Holyfield. this? I saw him, and I'm like, it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm like, he's really in this. That's Dude. him. Like, in his I, prime, like... I saw uh, the like he, he got a producer cred when I saw that. I paused it and I rewound it and I uh, was like, okay, that looks that it's Evander Holyfield. And I'm just like, okay, it can't be him. And as soon as I'm getting used to the idea that there might be more than one Evander Holyfield in yeah. this world, <laughs> I, I shows up. <laughs> Not only okay. the fact that he's in this movie, but his character is, of course, himself. Oh. As a boxer, boxing at a freaking like carnival carnival contest at some state fair thing, right? In some yeah, redneck town. It's clear What's that, that like he right. This it's clear that he like got some kind. Like you said, he some got some kind of producer credit, and there he was like, "I want to be in it." And they're like, "How do we write a boxer into it?" Well, he has to play so himself. Feels like but, yeah, because yeah, it, it makes no <laughs> sense. Like, what's the trick? They blindfold him and. And he gets like one punch. A bastard. I'm just like, okay. he gets like one punch and he punches the guy in the face. Like, I, I, I don't, I wasn't even following. I'm like, what the fuck no. is this? I was so 
taken back by seeing him that I was like, I don't really understand what he's even doing. Like as his character himself in the movie. I don't know, man, this movie is zany, but uh, it, it was at least watchable. I mean, I just, it's not memorable though. I mean, that's what I feel like. And this will be a common theme throughout these is that they're, you know, because they're ripoffs, they're very uh, forgettable to me at least. Um, so the constant thing that I think Jason does not still can't understand about me, uh-huh. is my love for bad movies, uh-huh. how I can love bad movies uh-huh. and then get mad or pissed off or hate, you know, high quality Good Hollywood movies. movies, right? It wasn't <laughs> shitty enough. Right. Here's the thing. There, there are. I do have a couple rules that even bad movies can break to the point where I don't like them. Rule number one: if it's boring, um, and you know, even if like the bad production value or whatever can't entertain me enough, um, and a, the storyline's bad enough. And two, I I get a kick out of bad production value when I love it. But there is one crime that as I get older and older and watch more and more movies that I can't seem to get past that is a true crime of of bad cinema when it truly becomes a bad movie for me is when the sound when it's bad sound. And holy this shit. It's the worst sound in the universe. I, I watched it with headphones and that was Oh my god, a I'm sorry. Speaking well of for sound, me it, it switched like halfway through, yeah. right? Yeah, oh yeah. I kept okay. it was very inconsistent. Um I just it went from like stereo to like I, I I literally got out of my chair and kept hitting all the settings on my surround sound. I thought it was yep. the, like my settings. No, it's just in the middle of a scene, it switches from like like the the volt, like the dialogues in like the middle speaker. Then it moves to the outside speaker. Then it's behind me, and I'm like, "The f- who the fuck mixed this?" Like it's horribly mixed, and specifically a a, a few scenes, like a, a lot of the outdoor scenes after they uh, ride off in the RV after the beauty contest. It's it's like the next day, and there's just some outside dialogue scenes that are echoey because I feel like they used lapels and boom, and and they didn't. Pick. Didn't separate. Yeah. Right. And and, and there's I, a little delay on each. I'd say there's a scene I actually saw the boom. Oh, several times. Several yeah. times. <laughs> so I know they're using it. Yeah. And who uses was, a freaking it was 30 seconds in the kitchen? You could see right. the damn thing <laughs> head. Oh, in the trailer in, or in the RV too, the the, the one of the <laughs> scenes where the daughter's sitting there right at the beginning. It's plain as day, just dangling there, too. And who uses a boom mic with a bright yellow? um, No, that is why you use it. So you know that it's. Oh, so you know it's there. Yeah, that's a good point. Camera operator sees it. Yeah. But yeah, they just lower it down by a string like they do in Madison Square Garden, you know? Yeah. I just want to read these names off Jed Dodge, Donald Murphy, and Philip Soretti. Um, those are the those are the people you can thank for the uh, the sound department on this movie and Ooh. how they continue to have careers in sound on film. I mean, I looked each of them up individually. This is how disturbed I was about the sound quality in this movie. Exactly, each of them have well over a hundred credits in different sound departments. So must work really cheap. They must. Uh, they had to have left this movie off their resume, man. 
Evander Holyfield should have gone and punched them for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in his prime. It's got the great Ray Walston. Yes, I was excited. Another to shining see, light of this movie. I was excited to see him, although I don't know. I kind of I don't. I yeah. can't tell if that was barely his, used him. His yeah. his um his choice in the performance because he's supposed to be kind of skittish and everything because of what is actually going on, or if he's just phoning it in because he really doesn't want to be there. Because I kind of get that impression too. Well, because he's really it's kind of soft spoken and. The real question about what 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 really happened is John Saxon, like, dude, was this wow. the worst? I'll tell you what thing that is it his fault? Because Th- I think this has got to be a great example of what I said <laughs> yeah. for years: is that you cannot blame an actor for a bad performance; you blame the director. Um, because he's better than this. We know John Saxon right? can act. We know and I I've probably said it I've surely have said it in the past that there's no such thing as a, ba- a a bad John Saxon movie. Well, guess what? I was proven wrong. He is bad in this. Yeah, I like, don't he cannot mean carry, to be negative, but he, he, he can't can't carry that southern accent. It was so in and out and wow. It's bad. Just wow. Poor John Saxon. And the overacting by whoever Hiram was, he he just was just so damn over the top. I mean, I just think he could have dialed it back about 30 notches. Sure. Sure. Okay. You know, with his (laughs) fists up and shit. Like, I mean, it's like he was like, every time he was talking, it sounded like he was straining to take a shit or something, man. It was just... I yeah, thought of the three movies uh, we're talking about tonight. This one was the most rip-off one. You feel like it was most rip-off? Or the best. Um, I mean, like, in the first part of the movie, this one literally has the door sliding shut Yeah, with yeah. him behind it. Yeah. Uh, just the way that they pick up. They got a hitchhiker. I mean, there's the the dummy out there luring them into. There's the gas station action. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's a family and a family. Yeah, the bub, the leather-faced dumb brother guy. I mean, it is. They tried there's, real hard. There's, there's a, a weird thing. Character and in I a wheelchair. It's the girl instead of Franklin. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, the one the one thing I wanted to say here's the weird thing. I got you know with all the people inside there when he's when he's preaching and doing all this. I got like a weird sort of uh, motel hell kind of vibe oh, I, from it. Yeah, a, I kind of thought bit. that too. Yeah, um, only being that motel hell is actually entertaining and good. But but <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, our lead in this movie is uh, her name. Uh, the character's name is April. She's in a wheelchair. She's kind of the our main protagonist in this in this film. And um, I'd have to say wheelbound. Um, characters in horror movies. Um, I'll take Franklin any day over oh, April. Yep. Like she was such a bitch in this movie that I did not give a <laughs> fuck. I'm sorry you're in a wheelchair these and everything, but she hicks, was a these brat. Stupid hicks. She. I did not give yeah, a shit she, about. She was her asking play. for it. Yeah, for sure. And it's a bummer too because the the when. When the parents are gone, the little kid is gone, and she's in the Winnebago by herself with the shotgun. I kind of dug that. 
I'm like, oh, yeah. this. What if this was the yeah. whole movie? Her, this whole standoff between her and these rednecks with this, and she, you know, her only thing keeping them from coming in is this shotgun, and she can't, can't say her ro- ass wasn't proactive, man. So, it, I mean, she yeah. took initiative, and she's in a wheelchair, so she can't get away. I'm like, oh, this is great, but then you know, the the Winnebago stuff didn't last nearly as long as it should that no, should have been the majority of the movie speaking of the winnebago at the end which i couldn't understand um hiram goes after his dad right or his dad just decides to hide while he's melting and on fire and lets his flesh fuse to upholstery underneath the uh <laughs> underneath the mm-hmm. winnebago he decides to put himself out and then hide in the Winnebago and just, you know, apparently he can handle, you know, third degree burns all over his body and, you know, not make a sound. I'll be honest. I, I, I did like, uh, Jake Pruitt, the Danny Nelson played, um, oh, the, the, the dad, main, the the dad? dad. Okay. yeah, I, I liked him at the end of the day. I mean, he. I mean, he's a scotch simpleton-ish, but like, I, I, I thought he was the best part, probably, of the movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I liked him. I think he was probably the best part. He was maybe the saving grace of this movie, but if there is one. He's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that Torino Rex, it's not going to just magically roll over and start again and be able to, like, you know. (laughs) That thing went sky high and rolled about four times, and it's just going to, no. Sorry. Yeah, sorry guys. This is the one on the list that was like, okay, I have five different movies to choose from. I'm gonna throw the names in the hat and pick one. So this was the I'm glad this I'm glad I can say that I've actually seen it though. Oh yeah, it's definitely enough. it's definitely a box that I remember seeing all the time in the video store. And, you know, I've seen I've seen that poster everywhere, you know, you know, when I'm flipping through Tubi. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that from the nine from the early nineties. Um, but I'd never seen it. So it's definitely awesome to get it kind of checked off the I list. I would love to actually know what Evander Holyfield thinks of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's no rabid grannies, but it was, <laughs> it was all right. It was I also saw here. Don't that, start. Don't start. <laughs> it was the last film released by Paragon. I can see why. Okay. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that was good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> The first and last, apparently. (laughs) Okay, Jason, what's our next movie? Our next film is from the year 2004. (laughs) Skinned Deep. From the special effects creator of Leprechaun, Gabe Bartolos, comes a new icon of terror. They came to the country for peace and quiet. Uh, my family and I were out on a little vacation and uh, one of our tires blew out. My house is right across the street. You people are really so nice out here. But in this town, nothing is what it seems. And secrets can kill. Look into the face of evil. And pray for your soul. Ah! 
featuring the music of Captain Sensible from the hit TV show The Young Ones. Introducing the Surgeon General, Octo Baby, The Brain, and featuring the star of Harry Potter and Willow, Warwick Davis, <laughs> as Plates. Meet the Surgeon General. Skin deep. Obey your fears. A family's flat tire on a barren stretch of road with only a diner dotting the landscape leads them to Granny, the seemingly nice old woman who runs the establishment. Written, produced, directed by Gabe Bartalos. Uh, this Warwick Davis vehicle. Woo, baby. I just know what I'm cosplaying for this year. <laughs> My new favorite superhero plates. Uh <laughs> Skinned deep, fellas. Um, I'm going to guess this is the one that uh, you made us watch. I mean... You are correct, sir. Because this movie is fucking awesome. Go. I can't get to this sound fast enough. There. Oh, there it is. It's unbelievably incompetent in filmmaking, but uh, I have to say that the... The special, like the makeup effects and character designs and stuff, are wild. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the brain guy. Uh-huh. Oh my god, that's fucking awesome, and it made me mm-hmm. laugh a lot. But it looks like absolutely. Uh, it's like um, we had all this cool. Like somebody knew how to do this cool things, and we wrote try to write a movie around it. The acting was just so bad. the The story made absolutely no sense. There was there's parts that just made no sense in the writing, but uh. No, I, I, I know I sort of crapped on it in the group chat and I, uh, I was talking to Brian Clark about it and he was like, he knew instantly what it was from one cell phone picture I took. And he's like, of course he's like, it's fucking awesome. What are you talking about? Film of 2004, man. Right. Exactly. You know what? It might be. I'm going to have to go back and look at 2004. Oh God, no. Mm. Well, Andy's awfully yeah. quiet. I'm saving what I have it's, to say for the end because, um, like, I feel like I have some defending to do. Yeah, yeah. I I will say this. I like I like the design of you know the interior design of the house. Just it because it's just so damn weird. And I'm assuming that's kind of like where we're getting the uh, Texas Chainsaw kind of vibes and whatnot. And, you know, the the tow truck scene where, you know, they're trying to ambush, you know, the the people in the other car. But, uh, yeah, I was not expecting, you know, um, Willow Uffgood cosplaying as uh, Rutger Hauer's character in Blade Runner, you know, and then <laughs> throwing plate, plates at people. But, uh, yeah, what should we call him? I don't know. He throws plates. How about plates? Yeah. Brilliant. Um, What's wrong with that? I mean, like, like I said, this this movie is unintentionally hilarious. Uh, when when uh, Plates' head gets you know lopped off, and you hear this high pitched squeal go through the air, I laugh my <laughs> ass off. Just, See, I think some um, of this is. At first, I thought it was unintentional. I think it's intentional. It's just oh. Right, it's hundred percent intentional. This movie is hilarious. The, I'm looking at a picture of he, brains with the. A, I mean, he had an Indian headdress, right? And he yeah. had a, a yeah, yeah, helmet. Yeah, you're looking at the picture where he's wearing the um, 
the knight in shining armor helmet, but oh. it's several helmets welded together because his head and brain is so giant that a normal uh, knight in shining armor helmet would not fit over his head. So they've welded several together. And I like how on certain spots of that helmet where, um, where it's supposed to be the face mask, but it's not the part that's in front of his face. It's got a, a sticker on it that says wrong. You know, like that's not the that's not the one to lift up. You know, I think it's hilarious. This made this to me, and I'll I'll say this and let everyone else go because I've already sp- spoken, but I'll forget if I don't say it now. This felt more like a House of a Thousand Corpses ripoff to me, mm-hmm. which is a Texas Chainsaw ripoff. But I'm like, th- that yeah. guy is tiny. He's it's like almost like a spoof. Like if Scary Movie did a ripoff of of uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, like the Wayans Brothers, this would be it. Yeah, I brought you some soup and money. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Do I really need to say anything any more more than that? Um, and this 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 dad, what an unassuming fucking dunce this guy is, and 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 the parents are just so fucking stupid. Um. It's like nobody is that naive. Nobody walks right. into the. I I would take one step into that house, and I was just like, okay, yeah, okay, guy's got a mo- got a model plane collection. But as soon as I started seeing all this other weird shit, I'm just like, I we can walk. I I can push the fucking van with a flat tire. I don't give a shit. Um, and whatever that fucking shit they s- slid in front of him, you know, and he's just like. Thanks, brain. And it's like this weird fleshy shit that he starts eating off this chunk of cardboard or whatever the hell that thing was. Um, Yeah, it just it just didn't seem believable to me at all. I mean, it's just like it, come to think of it, you, now that you say it, it's like it probably was intentional. Like this, there's no way that people would fall for this. Well, the the way they react to things is so. I mean, it's not a way a human like. It's like <laughs> if you hired your fa- like like your friend, you pulled people off the street or like family that's never acted mm-hmm. before, and you put them in front yeah. of a camera, and it's like act, and you only do one take. That's what it came off as because it's like that's not how humans react to things. Like did that whole dinner table scene where they're sitting, they come in and they sit down for dinner, and the the like brains in the corner, and then the the, the doctor guy, and it's like. No one's reacting to this. Like, are they seeing this? And there's a scene where, yeah, they're, they're out and, and the rest of the family's being killed. And she's she's like, not react. I don't know. Is she this watched her brother get chopped in half, half and not His two seconds throat later. His mother's got slit and there's, it's silence. Right. And I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> no shit, man. It's, Excuse uh, me. Yeah, you're going to have a hell of a time digging yourself out of this fucking hole, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just at a loss for words, but I'm waiting until you guys are done. Um, And the what these these geezer bikers who yes! just, just allow them, you know, I mean, I don't know how you're going to put a plastic explosive in a peace sign, let alone... <sighs> Mike, can I tell you what I thought? I'm I waiting. loved it. I'm waiting. I loved it. Yeah, not this time, buddy. I'm Damn, sorry. No. <laughs> uh, this, this is the I first first time in eleven years I, uh, I I 
deposit it in the middle to go to the bathroom. And I came back and I spent five minutes just being like, do I just not finish this and just oh fake it? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I, I fucking, I hated this so much. Me? This is one of the worst movies in 11 years you've ever made us watch. I can't believe this counts as a movie in the world. And it comes from Gabe Bartolos, who we love, and he's amazing, and that doesn't make him a good filmmaker. I'm sorry. I can't wait to watch his his next one. I will watch it because it's Gabe Bartolos, but this movie's not good. And guys listening (laughs) that I know that y'all messaged me last week about like, oh, yeah, yeah. You made Rabbit Granny sound awesome. No, this one is don't don't watch this. This it's not so bad. It's good. What whatever Mike's about to say. Oh Jesus! I don't. I mean, plates. Yes, that's the selling point. Oh, okay. Then please oh, continue. The, or the or the fact <laughs> that he got into a fight with the guy from on the cover of Bum Fights. <laughs> oh my God! I. But am I surprised that you love it? I don't know that I'm surprised. I don't understand. I don't truly understand. I I just, I don't know. Maybe I feel like you guys didn't get it. Like you missed it. <laughs> oh, I'm this sure is, that happened. This is straight <laughs> up a comedy, 100% satirical, almost parody-like comedy. You can't yeah. tell me, you can't tell me that it's, Un- I didn't get it's that. bad filmmaking, unintentional comedy. When you have a character who has the brain that's bigger than his entire body. Well, that's what I'm saying is that mm. this is a scary movie esque Wayans Brothers spoof on yes. Texas Chainsaw, but it's but those are funny. And I'm saying this failed as a comedy. <laughs> I thought right. this was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. The uh, yeah. the end fight scene with the ancient uh, first of all I love the ancient, the ancient ones. ones the ancient ones this senior citizen scene? bike biker gang which has Forrest Ackerman in it by the way I don't know if you guys got that I did yeah. I yeah I did see that yeah <laughs> I thought it was hilarious and you want to talk about what I feel like this movie is homaging and you know other than Texas Chainsaw Massacre I don't think it's a rip off of House of a Thousand Corpse, Corpses this really feels like to me. Um, and I, I want to think it's intentional, like the quality of the filmmaking down to like the actual image of the, whatever they filmed it on really to me feels like something out of the, like no, the super low budget mid eighties freaking New York trash scene movies like basket case and, oh, yeah. That's sure. what, and street yeah. trash. I mean, it has yeah. that look and aesthetic to it, in, in my opinion. And I love those freaking movies. So right out of the gate, I'm on board. Um, plus, you got these like, crazy over-designed characters like the Surgeon General or the Brain, which, again, I loved totally that. feels like a love letter to everything Frank Henenlotter. And I probably pick on pick up on that more than probably the average person just because I know Gay Bartelos worked a lot with Frank Henenlotter. He did like what how eighty percent of his to, of Frank Henenlotter's movies effects. How creative is it to have the creator as a bodybuilder without a fucking head? Uh-huh. Oh I thought that was cool. I thought that and it looked cool too. It did look cool. Yeah. 
For well, that's what I was saying. Like, there's only re- the only for me the redeemable part was the designs and, and the makeup was was mm-hmm. sort of cool. Absolutely. And yeah, you, yeah. The set designs were really cool. You can't, they, well, even then, yeah. like Jesus Christ, do you have to use a fish lens every other scene? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a '90s rock music video at times, which you know, which again makes me think of How It's a Thousand Corpses. I'm like. Rob Zombie didn't know what he was doing, so he's like, let's use filters and lenses and do these weird out scenes so that you don't notice how shitty this movie is. That's what this felt like. Hmm. I right. don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit too much on that. I don't know. I, don't know. I, still, I still thought it was well made because I thought it was made that way 100% on purpose to emulate the things that he wanted to emulate. And again, I feel like movies like Basket Case and Street Trash and Toxic Avenger and, and, and films from the New York area made at that time that I feel like probably Gabe Bartelos is also a huge fan of. I mean, sure, seems obvious to me because again he worked with Frank Henenlotter a lot, you know. And just the second I saw the brain, you know, I didn't even have to. I mean, I knew going in this was Gabe Bartelos's directorial debut, but uh, as soon as I saw the brain, I would I would have instantly been like, "Yep, this is a Gabe Bartelos." film because that the just the general design of that effect down to um the materials he used to build it kind of has that almost like nerf look quality to it that's really reminiscent of the uh the different uh, mutants in like basket case two and three where they where the the i don't know if it's if it's i'm assuming it was foam latex that he used but the the effects look a little more spongy than actual fleshy looking um but I love it. It's great. It's great. You know, and again, you also can't tell me that this is a movie that Tid that is trying to be serious when the brain's head gets split open. Yeah. What and the hell's the blocks come out like children's oh, letter blocks come out about. I didn't understand <laughs> love and hate. Yeah. And he stepped on, yeah. What? yeah. But why? Oh, that's right. funny. I, why though? Yeah. Why is that funny? What does it mean? Does it have to be? Why mean is anything? it in his head? I, it's I just weird was, and awesome and funny. Uh, that was the word I was saying mostly throughout the movie. But <laughs> why? Yeah. I, I will know. say this, though. Points for having probably one of the most unique characters I've ever seen in a long time with plates. I mean, just like. <laughs> and it's so simplistic and so stupid. But yet, who, who thinks of this shit? Just I know. This, it's but, so different and unique. And it's. Sure, it's dumb, but I think it's dumb. It's dumb on purpose. And kudos to Warwick Davis for doing this. I, I read he yeah. did it as a favor to Gabe because you know they worked on Leprechaun, obviously. But at least he had two five-minute soliloquies about his character. Why? Because because poor Warwick Davis doesn't get enough actual dialogue. No, I, I was all for that. Yeah, he gave an analogy about society and. A dinner plate. plate. Yeah. I mean, yes, maybe <laughs> wow. those, maybe those, maybe those diatribes are way too long. But you gotta say, holy shit, did he put everything into that? Sure, it is so uh, fucking that... over the top that it's. I just think it's amazing. And and I'm, and I'm sorry, it looks like he, again he did this as a favor to Gabe, but it just looks like he's having a blast. It looks I would like he's too, just having so much throw fun. plates all day. I know. And I love how he's got plates planted in the dirt in the yard, you know, shit like that. And that whole final scene with them and the freaking biker gang is, I just thought was hilarious. I love how just 
slow moving and inept and such stilted performances from the biker gang. I just thought it was great. It just really felt like to me that Gabe did not hire actors. He went to an old folks home and got real people to play the biker gang. And I love it. It's like, he didn't hire actors for any of this. It's like, (laughs) to me again, I'm, you know, it felt, it feels like movies from that era, but it also really was reminiscent to me of something like the greasy strangler where he's like intentionally, putting these like non-actors in these in these roles to get just the weirdest performances out of out of these people. And I don't know, I guess I like that stuff. And the yeah, the difference from this one to all those other examples is I had a really hard time finding the acting endearing in that bad way in this one. It was just just bad. I, it was hard to get past it. <laughs> Man, all. I wish Brian was here. Damn it. Well, Brian, when you're out there <laughs> listening to this, no, try we're not all going to run, hear about it. No try worry. not to run off the road, because um, I need you, buddy. I need we you. Didn't to, get it. Like phone in a reply to to all this hate, <laughs> or leave some amazing, massive um, soliloquy to uh, a major essay on our Facebook page, <laughs> letting us know the beauty of skin deep. Anyway, well, I've tried. I tried my best. Hopefully, Brian can help me out and back me up. I tried my best to uh, rationalize this movie, but I don't know. I guess it just connected with me where it didn't connect with you guys. Sure. <clears throat> so we can move it on. It happens. We, we'll watch it again, but we'll watch it all together. I guarantee you'll like it in a group setting. Okay, Andy, what's our last movie? Our last film comes to us from 1982, and it is called Pieces. Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Okay, while playing with a puzzle, a teenager is repressed by his mother and he kills her and severs her body with an axe. 40 years later in a university campus in Boston, a serial killer kills young women and severs their bodies and parts, stealing body pieces from each student. Lieutenant Bracken makes a deal with the dean of a of the campus and infiltrates the agent Mary Riggs as if she were a tennis teacher. And together with the student Kendall, they try to find the identity of the killer. Um, I really, really like this movie, even though it's just really not that great. <laughs> um, so Mike just said, <laughs> It's, yeah, explain yourself. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Um, uh, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, of course, uh, chainsaw kills, and this, uh, this killer is, um, to the best of my, the best I can tell, is basically trying to recreate his mother because he's, um he's got her shoes and her dress and he's using parts and he's kind of constructing her, um, you know, basically kind of Frankenhooker style and sewing her back together and, 
and trying to make his mother that he killed or just in her likeness in in some way. And of course, you know, he's he's chainsawing these these co-eds and this the you know, the dean and uh he wants, you know, he wants these killings to stop as as well as everybody and um a lot of them one happens in broad daylight where this co-ed gets her head, you know, just chainsawed off which, you know, broad daylight, okay, that's a bit of a stretch, you know, somebody's going to be, you know, going to make a mess and you're going to be seen carrying a head around if, or, you know, whatever body part, but whatever, it's a horror movie. I'm, I'm along for the ride. Um, the one thing that, uh, there's a lot of, a, a lot of the kills are, you know, very gory and whatnot, you know, some by the, you know, the swimming pool and, um, others you know like the uh the girl in this in the shower where you see like the chainsaw go through her side and she's all bloody and everything and of course there's you know lots of pieces and whatnot (laughs) but to me some of this some of the funniest stuff in in this film is just, just does not make any sense we've got like a kung fu master that comes out of nowhere bruce lee yeah and he jumps this undercover cop, you know, played by Mary Riggs, you know, that's that's put there, um, excuse me, Mary Riggs, played by Linda Day George, onto the campus. And this other, this the student, Kendall, that's trying to help them find the killer, comes by and just goes, oh, yeah, this is Mike Ryan's not going. It's like, so apparently it's just okay to assault a woman on campus while there's a killer around not to mention also a police officer but as long as you know kung fu it's okay you know and they just let him go that's my favorite Um, scene of this whole movie is that so awkward out of nowhere bruce lay scene (laughs) um joe bob talked about it but it's also in imdb trivia that the producer um dick randall um, was making kung fu, you know, Bruce Lee kung fu ripoff movies at the time with all these. Oh man! And his one of his main stars was Bruce Lee, L E, and uh, so just threw him in, just threw him in the movie because he had him, you know. And it's his, one, it is such a forced in scene that makes no sense and screeches like the movie to a halt. Movie in a movie, like this is a Texas Chainsaw ripoff with a Bruce Lee ripoff in the. Texas Chainsaw ripoff, right? <laughs> like he he does some kung fu moves and then passes out, and then when he gets up, he's like, "Oh, too much chow mein," and then walks off. He's gone. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> nothing is be- so nothing absurd. is better than watching this with somebody for the first time that has never seen it. And Brandy and I were watching it for the show, and she was just like, "What the fuck did I just see?" Oh, it's, it's so good. It's a, it's it's so eighties. It doesn't even know how eighties it is with you know with the aerobics studio and everything where <laughs> they're they're playing like you know pretty much Daft Punk on a budget with like that robotic song that they're dancing to. Um, another thing that just blew my mind that I thought was so damn funny uh, is when Kendall he's with that co-ed and she's scared and. You know, he's like, shut up, you'll be, you know, be quiet. And he's like, you can gag me, I don't care, you know, just come sleep with me, you know. And the thing that I found so damn funny, he's trying to be protective of these women on campus. 
and he see, and he goes to the window, butt-ass naked. And it's like, oh, she's in danger. You know, how must that look if she would see <laughs> him standing butt-ass <laughs> naked in that window? Yep. And he's just out there looking at it. I mean, he looks, he screams total predator. Another thing that I thought was just absolutely, you know, made me lose faith in the cops in this at all. <laughs> this guy's trying to find a killer, right? Okay. This is 1982. This guy can't seem to find a fucking match to light his cigar the whole fucking movie. You know, you think you're going to trust this guy to find a fucking killer? Jesus. Anyway, all those, all that stupid shit aside, I actually really like this movie. And it turns out it's actually uh, Eli Roth's uh, favorite slasher movie. But the one thing that I just thought was so absurd, like when everything is, is I know I've, I've seen so absurd to like everything, but the end of the movie, it has like the, it has the most unnecessarily end of this movie because apparently this corpse that he has sewn together um is, has been obviously reanimated somehow and it manages to claw kindle in the dick and that that's like at the end of the movie and that and we cut to credits after that but oh yeah and uh spoiler alert it was the dean all along he was the killer when what? he was a kid who killed his mother yes and filmed in spain i believe I think so. Yes. Yes. All in all, I had a good time with this movie. Um, I don't know why he's um, putting a puzzle, the same puzzle together, but hey, more more power to him. Um, yeah, I mean, I I pretty much touched on on the all the bullet points that I thought were hilarious and I thought looked good. What did, what did you guys think? I have seen this movie now more in the past two or three years than I ever had. Like I had never seen, honestly, it was always one that eluded me up until like Joe Bob had it on, um, last drive in. Now I've seen it probably about three or four times. Um, so I must like it. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a fun messed up little, uh, piece of sleaze. Definitely. Definitely yeah. a great grindhouse. It's a true definition of a grindhouse movie. Um, but it was, it was just so infamous back in the day, back in the video store days. Just It was always on every video store shelf, and just that cover just screamed at you, like, as if to say, like, you better not rent me because, you know, you will see some fucked up shit, you know? So... But, I have to get my line of the movie in. Sorry, before you go. I'll go for There's it. There's nothing like smoking smoking pot and having sex on a waterbed or whatever that stupid broad said like <laughs> that's like the oh my god that's that's the line of the movie that is so dumb but continue yeah i mean i, I guess i don't know really what else to say it definitely has it, there's a lot of it that definitely has like an italian feel to it but more bit, yeah. it was filmed in Italy, but more of an incompetent Italian, like a Bruno yeah. Mattei kind of thing. Um, yeah, because you know, there's a lot of like character motivations that don't make sense, and just the things that they do. One of my favorite, one of my laugh out loud moments of this movie is the girl that's playing tennis by herself, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the music is bl- kicks on, <laughs> is blaring, and she gets pissed off. She throws her balls down. 
and she storms off and you're assuming she's going to go turn off the music or go yell at whoever turned on the music. No, she just goes in and takes a shower. Shower. (laughs) Like. That's it. I'm showering. The music motivated you to angrily go take a shower, Mm -hmm. you know, but. Wait till I get to start to scrubbing. So (laughs) So it's just like shit like that. That is like littered throughout this entire movie. They do have like the go-to disguise of like, you know, when we don't, we're not supposed to know who a person is. They put on a wide brimmed hat and like this overcoat. I mean, like they did it in the burning where they, they dress the person like a cold war spy, you know, know, lurking in the shadows. Probably the most, I don't know, maybe the most famous. Well, that's not true. Um, Police detective George. Oh, I'm blanking on his name now. George Day. No, the actor's name George. Uh, d- 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 Christopher George. Christopher George is I'll probably be, the most famous person in yeah, this movie. Was, he was in that that animal movie. We Day did. of the animals. Yeah, it, yeah. The greatest of all time, Grizzly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in for every movie he's in for sure. But the one, the one actor that I Graduation think is Day. probably also maybe equally as famous. Um, that always shocks me whenever I see him in this movie is um, uh, the, the more heavy set guy, Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. Only because, like, I grew up as a child watching the fucking Popeye movie, and here I'm watching this oh, sleazy God, right. slasher film called Pieces, and there's Bluto yeah. <laughs> in the background. But I also know him a lot from watching um, Sam Raimi's Crime, Crime Wave. He's in that. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of horror stories about him on the set of that movie. So, you know, anytime I watch him in something now, I just, I just get this impression that, uh, um, people hated working with him. Yeah, I liked it. I was going to say, yeah, Christopher George, uh, I think I'm every movie he's in, I'm going to watch. He's just awesome. Uh, the kills are all pretty awesome and great. Uh, one that would have made my list on uh pole position is that i think is it in the bathroom stall where he just goes up and flicks her arm off jesus christ yeah, I loved, oh yeah oh my oh, god yeah. i love that one like you you see it come off like they don't yeah it was great like where where's the prosthetic and where's yeah. the real arm oh, damn what the heck it was awesome i think they really cut off a woman's arm or even the beheading in the park like it's ridiculous how it really looks like they put her head in the dirt but afterwards you know her headless corpse looks like they just buried her head but it's awesome um yeah this is really fun and cool i love the italianness of it i love the claudio simonetti little bit of music in there and but i guys i i fucking i can't i hate this ending mm. but both I, I don't like either ending but the first ending, I'm like okay with because then he's just sitting like when the 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 lady falls out of the closet on him, and I'm like, oh, that poor dude. He yeah, was just yeah. trying to get with her a little bit ago, and now she and like that dude's traumatized for life. And then they cut back, and he's sitting on the couch. He's like, I'm cool, man. It's all good. And I'm like, all right, great movie, and it's over. And then his life's ruined. And what with the crotch grab squish? What, yeah. what is that i hate yeah. it they should have just froze the screen like right when he fell on top of her and then just called it called yep. it a day there that yeah. that's my opinion so i i just i don't understand and i don't it makes me mad it's like oh we were so good there and i 
just hate that they did that to that dude. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, this one sort of holds a special place in my heart because uh, right when I started getting like really into horror movies and uh, like building a very small DVD collection, maybe like high school somewhere in there. Uh, I remember I don't even uh, my mom, you know, she would like go shopping with my grandma during the day and bring me home weird stuff all the time. And she brought me home a DVD of pieces and I was like, my mom bought nice. like I, I I had never seen it, and I was like looking at the cover, and of course it's like it says this is exactly what you think it is, and uh, I was like, mom picked this up, like it has like a naked like chainsaw woman on the front <laughs> and a chainsaw, and I'm like, this is sort of wild, and I watched it, and it was like sort of my first like exposure <laughs> to something outside of the you know Friday the Thirteenth Nightmare on Elm Street, like this was like what is this, mm-hmm. you know, this is different, and. Uh, you know, held on to that memory of like, you know, my mom just picked this up for me and sort of exposed me to this. And, uh, and then of course, years later, Eli Roth had been touting it. Like after he, he when he's doing hostile, you know, he's sort of like opening yeah. the eyes of a lot of people of, you know, saying, here's my influences. Here's what I love. And then of course, flash forward another 10 years and Joe Bob shows it on the last drive in and get a whole nother insight on it. And it's something that just keeps popping up every couple of years. And uh, I, I won't argue that it's a gr- good movie by any means, <laughs> um, but it's, it's entertaining. It has some cool kills and uh, it's sort of just one of those like grimy unapologetic classics. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know if it's nostalgia for me, which is weird because obviously I don't have nostalgia for when it was released, but it's just like, the idea that my mom saw this fucked up movie on, in a bin or something <laughs> and thought I would enjoy it and brought it Love home you, for mom. me. Right. Like, like my mom always embraced how weird I was and how different I was from my siblings and, uh, you know, supported my weird hobbies and stuff. And I just, you know, I, I'll hold it like as a, I still have that original DVD and it's just sort of like, almost like what that I would say started that like collection thing where I'm like, Oh, where did you get this? I got to go out and find, you know, what else is in that bin, you know, and what else is like branches off from there, you know, and basically just have a damn near X rated teddy bear that your mom gave you. <laughs> yeah. Luckily I was old enough, you know, I was like high school, so it wasn't like that it's big of a deal. Still, it's yeah. it, it means, it means something to you. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always think of that when I see it, like, looking back on it, it's like, my mom bought me pieces. That's pretty awesome. Like, I have a cool mom. You do have a cool mom. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, finally, got one on there you guys freaking liked, crying out loud. Um, so I guess that's it for the films for this episode. But, fear not, folks. There are There is more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. Oh, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do segments here on the show. Before we do that, though, you are going to hear a promo for our network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to so many shows, including the HorrorCast. If you not listen to them, the HorrorCast is a group of six friends um, who review horror cinema, old and new. Check out one of the best horror movie podcasts and all the other shows on thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we are back. It's time to hear from you guys out there in podcast land. It's Shoutouts with Jason. It's time for Shoutouts! All right, we asked, what are your favorite Texas Chainsaw rip-off horror films? And these are your comments. Up first, in the Attack of the Killer Podcast group edition on Facebook, we got Marcus Rude from the Rude Horror Podcast. He says, Cannibal Farm. Anybody? Oh, I don't know that one. No? I'll have to check Not it out. familiar. Nope. Marcus watches a lot of them, a lot of them oh, weird yeah. movies. Just kidding. We got Attacker Rod. Rod Hutchinson, he says, Motel Hell, you've yes. got a chainsaw and cannibalism. Yes. And a pig head. And, what, huh? What? Up next, we got the Reebster, Mike Reeb. He hey, says, hey, I know, I miss that dude. I do need too. To get him back on. We got Motel Hell is the best TCM ripoff movie. But the X Files episode titled Home is the best. Home is the best overall. Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff. Oh, interesting. That's cool. I don't know that one particularly. I've never seen an episode of oh, X Files. Wow. Oh wow! You're a I little know. baby boy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a man? Watch some X Files. That's right. I just that means that he's young. <laughs> Um, over on our Facebook page, we got Don and Nellie. He says, the first choice that comes to mind is the last house in the woods, an Italian film from the mid two thousands. I ended that sentence really fast. (laughs) Ran out of words without, with my inflection. Um, he goes on to say a British slasher from several years ago called escape from cannibal farm. Also stands out. Um, you can also find that shortened to just Cannibal Farm. Oh, yeah, like oh, Marcus okay. said. Oh, that's a good one. And Wrong Turn 2. Stole the dinner sequence nearly shot for shot. So I think that would count. That's pretty fair. Sure. It's, I, I love, love Wrong yeah, Turn 2. I would say Don will be like, uh, the obvious choice and best <laughs> pick is something that no I'm the only porn that's ever seen. I know. like. <laughs> Feeling Every time, too. It's so awesome. inadequate. So far, we're <sighs> like four movie suggestions in, and two of them I haven't even heard of before. Don's always scraping the underbelly of cinema. It's pretty amazing. Yep. Uh, Marcus is back. He says, I know this isn't a horror film, but the Baker family dinner scenario in Resident Evil 7 was directly inspired by TCM. And if anyone hasn't played that game yet, I highly encourage you do so. Now, a video game. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. first. Nice. And lastly, we got Tim Lennerer. He says, Motel Hell gets my vote. It's got everything. A hero swinging to the rescue on a meat hook, a disturbingly agricultural way to keep the human meat supply coming, 
and a truly wonderful dying confession from Farmer Vincent. <laughs> it also was a semi-spoof, which the actual second ta- Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie wasn't was as well, but came out several years before TCM2. Honorable mention to the first wrong turn, which I got to see in a second-run theater that reeked of piss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, closest I'll probably get to the real 70s grindhouse experience. Very true. Uh, nothing on Twitter or the Instagram, but um, you can also call in and leave a voicemail like we got today. Are you ready? We're on a streak. Listen yeah. up. Hey, guys. Tacker Brian here again for my uh, mm-hmm. bi-weekly phone call. Uh, see, we're talking about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff. Great timing. When we're doing this episode, we're listening to this episode. Everybody will have seen the new trailer for the Tex Chainsaw Massacre. Looks pretty good to me. I'm excited. But I think when we talk about Tex Chainsaw Massacre ripoffs, we have to go back to Slaughterhouse, 1987. Nice. Mm. Pretty good movie. First time watched for me this week. Really enjoyed it. A lot of stuff straight from Tex Chainsaw Massacre. Um, So I think it qualifies as a ripoff. Hope you guys have a great week. Can't wait to listen to the episode. Bye. Hey, thanks, Attacker Brian. The, yes, thanks. The Godzilla himself. Yeah. I remember in one of the horror magazines back in the day when this movie was getting oh, yeah. pushed, and there was, in the magazine, there was a picture of an 8x10 promo shot of the character Buddy from yep. Slaughterhouse where he has one foot up on a chainsaw and the chain on the chainsaw is broken. Um, I think there was also like a hockey mask next to the chainsaw maybe, uh-huh. but the, the most memorable part is he's picking his teeth with a claw from Freddie's glove. Ah, yeah, that cover was, but it's a good, that's a good choice though. Slaughterhouse. It's yeah. That was inspired. One of the movies that was in the hat. And I obviously drew wrong when we ended up doing blood <laughs> salvage. Yes, you did. You, you meant to say skin deep, but uh, <laughs> no, the whole point of this episode was skin deep. <sighs> well, remember, everyone, you can also call in and leave your voicemail. Give us a buzz at 415 952 6857 or 415 95 AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail, we'll play it on the show. Uh, sadly, today, Christian Slater's on location filming his new movie so he can't be with us tonight but guess what uh it's still time for insane's picks when you ask most cinephiles who is the overweight new york b movie and exploitation actor who has been in tromo movies most people are gonna say joe flyshaker But for today's Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we will be inducting an actor of way better caliber than Joe, my favorite New York-based tubby character actor and trauma star, Pat Ryan. I definitely prefer Pat Ryan over Joe. I feel like Pat was a way better actor, where Joe was mostly just kind of a one-note joke with over-the-top performances during a time when trauma, when the trauma crew became more of a satire of themselves. Uh, for those who don't know who Pat is, he played the mayor in Toxic Avenger and the head of the nuclear power plant in Class of Newcomb High. He usually portrayed amusingly 
sleazy fat guys and a handful of enjoyable low-budget pictures made throughout the 1980s. Robert Lawrence R.L. Ryan was born October 29th, 1946 in Pennsylvania. He made his film debut in a, with a small part in the gritty urban vigilante action flick Fighting Back in 1982, directed by Luis Tieg, I think is how you say his name, the director of Alligator. Uh, Pat was then cast in the role he is most famous for as the corrupt mayor, Bel Goody, in the film that put trauma movies on the map, The Toxic Avenger, in 1984. Pat was hilarious as the super sleazy mayor of Tromaville with apparently an, with a, uh, apparently an oversized liver. Ryan was likely very funny, was also likewise very funny as the crooked nuclear power plant manager, Mr. Finley, in Troma's follow-up to the Toxic Avenger, Class Nukem High, in 1986. Now, he wasn't solely an actor for Troma. He was the slimy, disgusting, necrophile junkyard owner, Frank Schnitzer, in the outrageous street trash in 1987, Pat usually played small, uh, usually played smaller roles throughout his career in such movies as Birdie in 1984, Invasion USA in 1985, uh, Forever Lulu in 86, and Mannequin in 1987. It wasn't until his final film where he shaved his head and got the lead role as the cannibalistic humanoid extraterrestrial Murray creature in the sci-fi comedy Eat and Run in 1987. After Eat and Run, he left showbiz, and unfortunately Pat died of a heart attack on March 22, 1991. He didn't have a very big filmography, but he did leave us with some memorable performances. So for this Insane's Picks Hall of Fame, we induct Pat Ryan. Yahoo! Yay! All right. Yay. Okay, so that's it. That's the end of another chainsaw-wielding episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and special thanks to all the attackers and our newest attacker, Rose. Rose, Rose. Woo. Thanks, guys, for supporting the show. Talk to you all next time, and remember, you don't have to go to Texas to have a chainsaw massacre. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer.